This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The second reading is from Colossians. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominoes or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He, is, he himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have the first place in everything. For in him all of the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through, through him God was pleased to reconcile himself of all things, whether on heaven, whether on earth, or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. Holy wisdom, holy word. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Epiphany is a time of revelation. Indeed, the Greek word for epiphany means manifestation or appearance, revelation. The gift of Christmas is being unwrapped as we begin to see more clearly who this Jesus is and what he means for our lives and for the entire creation. And there is also a hint of the global reach of Jesus' mission in the visit of the Magi to Bethlehem, coming as they did from outside the confines of Israel, led by a star we may assume was seen everywhere, even though it shone particularly on Bethlehem. Jesus will be no local hero, but will extend God's grace and rule throughout the world. Now in the gospel reading today, we see Jesus continuing to gather disciples, the beginning of the church that will follow him in his mission, a mission that will extend ultimately to the ends of the earth and to the more than two billion Christians in our world today. And there is also a further revelatory moment in our text. It comes in Jesus' exchange with Nathaniel. At first, it seems a rather quirky conversation. Jesus says he recognizes Nathaniel from seeing him under the fig tree. And Nathaniel then abruptly says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus' first response is almost teasing. You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You can almost hear Jesus saying, really? Well, one can doubtless assume that some other experience prompted Nathaniel's belief about Jesus. 
Whatever that was, Jesus told him that he was to see even greater things. You will see, Jesus said, heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, Jesus is identifying himself with the Son of Man in the vision of the prophet Daniel. And here's the importance of this connection. This is what Daniel said about the Son of Man, quote, To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. Okay, for Daniel, this was a vision of God's salvation. And identifying with this figure, Jesus is claiming for himself to be Savior of all nations. In him has come, God has come to earth to make peace with all creation. Colossians which we have chosen especially for the second Sunday in Epiphany, spells out in a few verses the meaning of that revelation. And to this text we now return, we now turn our attention as we seek to further unpack the full magnitude of the Epiphany revelation. He is God with us in our flesh. He is creator and ruler of all things the first resurrected one leading the way to our resurrection through him. The scope of Christ's redeeming work as God with us in the flesh is captured by the cascading repetition of the phrase, all things. In Greek, all things is tapanta. And it occurs five times in these verses. Tapanta, 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 tapanta. It reverberates with the vast reach of God's love. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, tapanta, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through the blood of his cross. This theme of all things gives voice to the peace God has made, it is about God's shalom, for shalom encompasses all things. What is it like to live in the embrace of God's shalom? Well, two Sundays ago, I introduced the theme of shalom. Now, just in case some of you do not re remember exactly what I said on that occasion, word for word, permit me to repeat a few lines from that sermon. Shalom, the Hebrew word for peace, captures the biblical understanding of peace. It is a huge idea and a marvelous promise. God's shalom means the end of war and all forms of death-dealing hostility. Shalom means harmonious community where differences are respected and conflict resolved in love and mutual acceptance. Shalom is peace of mind and tranquility of spirit. To be at peace with those near and dear to you where love flows freely, that too is shalom. Shalom is wholeness in both body and spirit. Shalom is communion and union with one another 
and with God. Shalom is the hope for all creation that it may flourish. Shalom is the fruit of God's reconciling love in Christ. It marks out the mission and ministry of the church. For the revelation of what Jesus is all about is always the revelation of what we are to be all about. Agents of shalom for the world around us. Now unpacking shalom, the good news of God's peace through Christ, is the redemption of all things. And it will be the gift we unwrap on these Sundays of the Epiphany season. It is the gift we receive from God and it is the gift we are sent to give others. Well, we'll start the unwrapping today with ourselves. We were once estranged from God, Colossians tells us, but God is making peace with all creation and has reconciled us that we may be blameless before God. A trip to the nearest thesaurus to look up the verb estrange yields a number of sibling terms that convey the harsh negative power of that word. Divide, disunite, cut off, alienate, set apart, embitter. All these words capture the very strong nature of what Colossians is saying about humanity's broken relationship with God. A loving relationship established by God when we were created in the divine image for communion with God has been cut off, alienated, embittered. This is the nature of sin, a desperate state of affairs, not simply a catalog of our misdeeds. Much more radical in nature is this than the lies we tell, the promises we break, or the love we fail to give. This state of affairs is more radical because estrangement from God is estrangement from our very life itself. Who of us has not felt at odds with ourselves at times? How could I possibly have done this, we say to ourselves. It's not me. Paul cried out, you may recall, that the good that he wanted to do, he did not do, and that which he did not want to do, he did. I think we can, I suspect we can identify with Paul. The pressure of success takes people away from care for family and others. A young person desiring popularity is willing to be cruel to losers in order to be a winner or ready to compromise values for a dating relationship. And, by the way, mature people do this sort of stuff too. The desire for wealth can blind one to the needs of others in personal life and public choices. Estranged, we become strangers to ourselves, tossing and turning in a sleepless night, agonizing over the ways we have betrayed ourselves, betrayed ourselves. Being at odds with God puts us with odds at ourselves and in turn at odds with others. It is a universal trait that people can only feel they belong if they can determine who does not belong. What an incredible irony. 
inclusion through exclusion. Hmm. Yet in that way of being, we see the ugly faces of the isms that condemn others to a lesser nature. Think of the invective directed by some in our society against immigrants. In these cases, and these kinds of cases, we see an antipathy that really has very little to do with reasoned legal or economic arguments about immigration policy. These attitudes are a betrayal of ourselves as a nation that claims to be one under God. And perhaps in seemingly more benign ways, we are complicit with a society that designs our comfort zones for us. A not-so-subtle arrangement to frustrate the community from embracing the diversity of God's creation. Estranged from God, estranged from self, estranged from each other. But despite our flirtations with estrangement, God has reunited us with God's own self through the forgiveness of sins. God has made shalom for the world by the blood of his cross. In so dying, God has reunited us with ourselves because now we can come before the throne of grace praying, Abba, Father, the address of a child and confidently ask for God's forgiveness, asking to be made whole. And God's answer is a loud and clear, yes. The human community betrays itself with acts of cruel rejection, prejudice, and persecution. But within that human community, we are a community of reconciliation, reconciled to God and entrusted with the message of reconciliation for the world. We are not superior to the world in holiness. We are blessed with the peace of God's holiness. We at times betray ourselves as we, so we know about sin, we know about sin. But we also know about forgiveness and that is what we have to bring to the world above all else, the message of God's forgiveness in Christ through whom God has made peace with the world. First step then in sharing the word of God's shalom is to be a community where people embrace each other with forgiving hearts. In our troubled world, would not everybody ardently desire a place where shalom prevails? A place where talk of extravagant grace is not just talk, but a truth lived out in mutual humility and open acceptance. A place to know each other just as we are and to think that just as we are is just great. It is to be a place where the words of absolution are distributed to all through the prism of Christian love to be a place of which it is said as it was of those first Christians, behold how they love one another. That such a place can exist where love flows freely despite irritations and differences of opinion, even disputes. That such a place exists is a witness to our forgiving God. 
That such a place can exist is a message to the world that the love of God is not a sentimental contrivance of wishful thinking, but real, very, very real. To live in such a place is to be nurtured in love for the world to which we are sent. So let us always pray fervently that we may always be such a place. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.